And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello and welcome to, to Inside, Inside Conan, Conan. An, an important Hollywood, Hollywood podcast. I give you the last word. <laughs> I always get the last word. I'm a gentleman. Thank you, Mike Sweeney, for having me on your podcast. Uh, yes, and and thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's nice <laughs> to see and hear We're you again. Always each other's guests. <laughs> You're still holding that. I know. Oh, so I just <laughs> I'm going to tell our listeners that right. I just received our WJ award. It was hand delivered to me. Uh huh. I'm very excited. And what's the WGA? Yeah, the Writers Guild of America. <gasps> of the entire country? Of all of America. Oh my God, that must be a lot of writers. Yeah. So you had it delivered to your house and now... It's delivered and, and I'm carrying it, it around for you. From yes, room I, to I have room. It hasn't left my side. You use it for cooking and mm -hmm. pressing clothes. It's very heavy. It is very heavy. I didn't get mine yet. Maybe I won't get it. Maybe they're, they wised up. Well, I think I know why you didn't get yours, because you told me what you do with yours. You, you have some already, and they are currently doorstops. Some of them are doorstops. Some are, some are up on prominent display. So. And you, had a, you, you said your son had a cute name for it. Well, I, I mean, not now, because he's 27. But when, it, <laughs> when we first won, won, yeah, he called it a rusty stingray. Cause, um, it looks like that. It's sort of a copper color. Yeah. You had to tell me what it is. It's a, a pen morphing into a bird. Or a bird morphing. Or a bird morphing into a pen. Coming down to offer its wisdom. Onto the page. Right. This is how I feel when I'm writing. It's like... Because it turns into a pen. But meanwhile, it's shitting on the rest of the page. Yeah, that's Right? Because it's a bird. <laughs> I don't think they thought this statue through. <laughs> hmm. Or maybe they exactly thought it through. Oh, my God. What? What's it like to be back in the United States now? For... Oh, it's been so nice. I mean, yeah. obviously, Paris is a, is a wonderful city. Right. I got to be there for so long. I felt like I kind of lived there. Felt very you did. Parisian. How, yes. how long were you in Paris for? A, a, like eight? I was there for seven weeks. Yeah. Wow. And I learned approximately four sentences of uh, French. <laughs> well, you were in a bubble with Americans, right? I was. That's okay. true. I learned more than other people did because I was at least trying to use Duolingo. And I got the best compliment. Yes. The last week I was there, a waiter thought that I was Spanish. He thought I was from Spain. Oh. Yeah. So instead of speaking English to me immediately when I spoke French, he spoke Spanish to me. Really? And then I was able to speak Spanish oh, back to right. him. And then he was really confused because then he was like, wait, where are you from? Because he could tell my Spanish accent wasn't right either. Right, right. And then I told him the U.S. and he was surprised. Oh. And I felt really good about that. I'm being a good American traveler. Yes. I'm representing well. I'm surprising these people. Yes. Keeping them on their toes. These people. These people. These goddamn <laughs> continent. I call them continentals. Uh, so. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> we got a great show this week. Remember our show? Right. We have a show. We have a guest. He's alive. Very much alive. And he's really funny. Oh, it's man. He's so funny. When he was on Conan on the, on the TBS show, I was like, that guy is, he's just intimidatingly funny to yeah. me. Yeah. 
I know, because he seems cool. Yes. Too. He seems like... He just seems effortlessly really a funny guy. Yeah. It's Adam Pally. We talked to Adam about some of the insane costumes that he used to wear for his Conan appearances. He was always uh, trying to one-up himself. As a guest, right. Getting cut from late-night sketches in his 20s and why he's such a huge Conan fan. Yeah. Finally, I want to know why. (laughs) What do people like that guy? What is it with you? What's going on? (laughs) Name one thing. Here's Adam. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't know that you used to appear in late night bits. Yes. Maybe they didn't actually air all the time and that's why they don't Yeah, I don't think they aired. And I think if they did air, I was in a like full head to toe costume if it did air hmm. so you wouldn't really see that it was right me but i got i got that sweet 450 and that was like a huge deal yes and then they reran it right if you were on like a good episode you got like some residuals of rerun it would be that would keep you afloat and you never knew when those checks would come rolling in those eight cent checks oh, yeah God. <laughs> great <laughs> Eight cent checks for international rebroadcast. I had already like spent the residuals in my head of Conan. Like, <laughs> right, I would right, be right. at like McManus on like a Wednesday night at two in the morning and be like, yeah. it's on me. I did a Conan a week and a half ago. Yeah. You see that stormtrooper that like couldn't walk straight? That was me. <laughs> His knees worked backwards. Me. <laughs> 450. It was a glazer bit. <laughs> I read a Vulture interview because uh, you were a big fan of Late Night. Yes. It yeah, sounds huge. like when you yeah. were kind of a little burgeoning comedian. A wee lad. Yes. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, I think, you know, um, there wasn't a, like options for comedy <laughs> um, to watch, you know, so like the Late Night shows, if you liked comedy, like that was what you that was the only thing you had, you know, because like right. I had seen literally every hour of programming on Comedy Central. Like I had gone through <laughs> there. Right. You know, I'd seen every kids in the hall. Yeah. I knew every like uh, Pendulette voiceover between commercials. Like I knew, <laughs> <laughs> like I knew, I knew it, you know, and like it's time for Teller to step up. <laughs> yeah. For real. Where was his voiceover? <laughs> Conan and Letterman were like the two guys because there was no like John Stewart yet or anything like that. Yeah, it was still Craig Kilborn. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think there was a Craig Kilborn. Yeah, there's no was Daily young. Show yet. There was no Daily Show. It was right, Tom, right, right. Um, oh, Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder. Yeah, I mean, mm. yes. Which was like Tom Snyder was like the last dinosaur. Maybe Charlie Rose a little bit, but like the last dinosaur of that man, that like old white man that for some reason is on television <laughs> and is holding forth for an hour. As a kid, I would think that Tom Snyder was like also on the McLaughlin group. Right. You know, (laughs) like that's how I associate. 700 Club. Yeah. It's like I couldn't. I was like, well, that's where the fun stops over there. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so you were also at that, I think that ripe age, like right around becoming a teenager, Mm -hmm. where you're kind of like, Figuring the target out. audience of late night. Yeah, yes. for, for anything yes. Conan related, we've discovered. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that has I continued mean, through the years. Mm-hmm. Did you know you were interested in comedy or was it a very kind of in a very broad sense at the time? Just No, I was always interested in comedy. Like, okay. I would stay up to watch like SNLs and old stuff with my right. dad and stuff. And I... Like very as a kid in high school would do, I, I got a job doing the morning announcements, which is like uh-huh. super cool. People, oh, people love, love that. that kid. I had that job too, <laughs> but it let me do sketches, right. you know? So instead of doing like morning announcements, I would do like crazy sketches and stuff. And like, you know, uh, I was like 15 and that became my 
thing, you know, it was just like funny. Right. Would people tell you in your high school where people like, oh, you're, you're going to be on SNL someday? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like not, not like as open as that. Cause I think they were jealous, you know, that would have been like, what a black mark to put on a kid. It's like, <laughs> you'll definitely be on SNL. <laughs> By your junior year. Trust me, I've seen a lot of people come be- through this Starbucks. Like, <laughs> But I um, I was voted Hollywood. Like, I don't know what the superlative was, but I was not a popular kid, per se. <laughs> and I was not in the plays. Right. was in the school plays. Mm. Not a Thespo. No, and I... N- never wasn't like in the talent show or anything musically or anything like that but i was voted hollywood most likely to succeed in hollywood or something i think it was because most likely it was to like, have an s corp yeah yeah <laughs> most likely yeah most likely to know the definition of schedule f but um <laughs> my high school has a bunch of people who have graduated from it and at the time who graduated from it, who who went on to like succeed and they were pissed they were like <laughs> Him. They're like, I like go to New York every day and work with a voice coach. Like, yeah, <laughs> this guy like cuts up South Park and puts his voice underneath it. Like, some of them are on Law and Order. Like, one of them won a Tony. Oh. Yeah, no, like, oh, okay. I went to the same high school as Chelsea Handler and Jason Alexander. Oh, wow. I never thought of Chelsea Handler for some reason growing up in New York City. She is, yeah, she's a Jewess from New- Livingston, New Jersey. Ah, Livingston. I went to high school in New Jersey. I okay, already moved got back. It, got it. Got it. My parents, they didn't have like their career set when I was born. I was born very young, so they were still <laughs> actors and in a band until I was like eight. And then my dad went back to medical school, moved the family to Chicago. Then after medical school, when I was like 13, 14, he moved us back to New, New Jersey like 20 minutes outside the city to start a practice. Oh, wow. But it sounds like you said you'd watch these comedy shows with your dad. So he, he must have been yeah. into comedy. I mean, that's still his, all he wants to talk about is like... That's great. Actors and theater and my career and where I fit uh-huh. in the pantheon of stars. Pitching you ideas. Oh, my God. Constantly. He read... Yeah. He loves when I when I <laughs> book something. He's like, gets offended if I don't send him the script immediately. <laughs> Oh, wow. That seems like a generational shift where parents used to be like, well, you're going to go into medical school or you're going to become a lawyer. And yes, I I swear now it's, well, no, you're going to please tell us you're going into show business. (laughs) Yeah, no, my parents also were so cool. Like I was lucky enough, like I wasn't as cool as my parents, which uh-huh. I, I believe is a ge- is a generational thing as well. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like right. my parents' generation was the first generation. Like they were fucking cool. Like my dad was the first face of Levi's button fly jeans. He's like so <laughs> handsome and ripped still. Oh wow. And like my mom my mom, their their act, like they used to have the funniest like vaudeville act. They used to open for Joan Rivers and like Oh my God. You know Oh wow. Yeah. Like so like I was this, I didn't have any friends because we we're constantly moving around. I was like kind of chubby and I, I like would like shake your hand with a buzzer and be like, <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like a weird, like joking Nelson, right. you know, like, right, right, right. And so that was like an odd thing because all my other friends, like they were like not as they like their parents were dorks, you know? Right. So when I showed like a flair for for it. my parents were like yes do it like 
they were like, finally, he likes something. He's not just like smoking weed. Like at least he right. has like a interest. They put every, like I went to the New York Film Academy when I was like 15 and learned how to edit on a Steinbeck and stuff while all my other friends were like, you know, off on teen tours and stuff. Like my parents were like, no, do it, go do it. And I rebelled against that by like putting off acting school after high school. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going to medical school. I was like, I'm going to the University of Arizona. My mom was like, no. I was like, I'm going to major in communications. My dad was like, what a, no. <laughs> what a threat. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm going to get a job at one of my friend's dad's offices. <laughs> my mom was like, we don't have a son. <laughs> I'm going to get a pension after 10 years of vesting. Yeah. They just were like, I remember that moment. They were like, look, we're not going to stop you, but we're not like, we're not happy about this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we will sit Shiva for you. So at what point were you then like, all right, well, fine. Yes. You know, it was weird. It was like I got to U of A and I had a great time, like met a bunch of friends and like instantly mm -hmm. was, was like, this is awesome. It's like, if you don't go to class, you're just on vacation. Like, right. You know, it's basically just a warm. That school's famous for. Party. Yeah. Yes. And so I did that for like two years and was like on and off academic probation and just like <laughs> spending all my bar mitzvah money on drugs. Like, just like not, <laughs> you know. In the desert. Cashing out Israeli bonds at like a uh, Puma <laughs> County, <laughs> you know, like just like not a great time. But I was like, at the same time, I was also I was but young. But you were learning about life. Right. I was learning about life. I was also learning, like I felt on the outside, even though I was not on the inside when I was, you know, in high school, obviously. But it was like from giving up on, even for like two years from like, you know, 18 to 20 from like being like, I'm not involved in that. I'm not even seeking out comedy. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like one of the funny guys, you know, like I was really unhappy mm. and like really uh, depressed. And my best friend had hooked me up with another good friend and uh, we went to see a show at the Upper Citizens Brigade. And then I was like, okay, I'm never going back to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. It just immediately, it all crystallized. Yeah. I was like, oh, people talk, like I had that feeling where I was like a 20 year old kid and I was watching like, you know, like Rob Riggle and Paul Shear and Jack McBrayer. And like my skin was like on fire. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. And I wanted to walk on stage. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Like I literally remember like that, like my, my hair, my, like my whole body mm -hmm. was like, I'm walking on that stage, you know? Wow. Thank God I didn't. But like, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. It was the voice of God. Right. Yeah. Kind of. It sounds like fucking <laughs> wriggle being like, get up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they didn't seem that much older than me. Right. You know, like it all seemed attainable. And uh -huh. and Amy was there. Amy Poehler. And I had seen her on Amy her... Amy Poehler. I, yeah. And I had seen her on her, her television show. I knew the Upper Citizens Brigade had a show because I had kept up with Comedy Central. They had a, a sketch bit. show on TV. Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah. 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 There you go. And so I would like identified her as being on television. It was like, oh, it's like a linear... It just seemed like grad school. I was like, I just... Yeah. Progression. Sign up here. And at the time there was nothing else really going. I mean, there was like this alternative comedy scene 
downtown that was older than me. Like I didn't get to like pianos and stuff like that. I was like too young. I didn't, I couldn't even go into a bar, (laughs) you know, like I was 20. So like Mm -hmm. I missed that whole thing because I was like, well, this is a school. I can go here at 20, you know? Yeah. Right. And that was it. My parents will understand this. Yeah. And my parents were beyond. (laughs) They were like, yes, thank God. Like (laughs) He's learning a trade. They were so happy. Oh my God. And they came to every (laughs) single show from from my student show until, you know... Up until my mom passed away, I think she was going to see like ass cats and stuff like. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. They loved it they, because they were like, they understood it. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas most parents wouldn't understand. It was so easy for them to be like, oh, my son's on stage getting laughs from a bunch of people underneath the supermarket. He's right. living out our dreams. Yeah. He's very happy and very good at it. <laughs> like that seems right. like that's enough, yeah. you know, and there was no pressure to do more than that. It was just like very exciting time. And that lasted probably way longer than <laughs> most actors would have liked. Well, but. <laughs> so was it during this time that you started getting cast in Conan sketches or how did that start happening? Yes, uh, that started happening. I probably the way, you know, it was like another crazy thing about that time in, in New York specifically was the wealth of talent that was just mm-hmm. like around, you know, mm-hmm. like just right. hanging out. Yeah. Just, ha- just t- c- completely j- not even just hanging out, just like, learning and and bombing and and drinking and doing bits in in diners and stuff was like right you could do that every night with a different person who would go on to make over like a billion dollars at the box office <laughs> right it's true <laughs> you know i mean that sounds insane yeah but everyone was, in yeah. retrospect was famous it's a yeah. fact yeah I, I was talking about this the other day with paul uh sheer and i was like mm-hmm. i think if you really did add up like the amount of projects from the time that we were in New York, the amount of people that right. we, that I had uh, taken a class with or right. done a show with or you name it, like been involved in that scene, had a flyer that said like this name, this name, this name. Right. I bet that you would be at probably more than $5 billion. Yeah. Wow. And at the time... At the time, it was like you you couldn't throw a stone without hitting one of those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in, and and some of them, I think y- y- some people take off where you're like, oh, absolutely. I saw that coming from day one. And then some people you're like, sure. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. They're a billionaire. Them, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's all, you know, there's always that like, don- like right. that's the beauty of Hollywood and right. comedy and this, this job is like, you know, yes. John Hamm doesn't break until he's 45. Right. Right. It's like if you stick with it, if you stick with it and you have something to offer, right. So, like you will. Yeah. You will find it. Mm-hmm. It may not be like tomorrow or mm-hmm. next week or whatever. And it may be something that you have to like think of. <laughs> it may not be like <laughs> yeah. casting you. Right. If you want to do it, like you can do it. I think now I had like obviously like the luxury of supportive parents and, and, and I'm white, but. Right. Like, I think now has never been a better time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I've always thought it's it's kind of an attrition thing where it's like, you know, a lot of people do drop off and end up getting other real careers because sure they have to get money somehow. But yeah, if you stick in there long enough and you have something to offer, eventually it will probably work out. Right. Sure. The real world example I would use is like when I got to Upright Citizens Brigade, 
my best friend had another best friend who was moving to New York and he, we, we got hooked up and that kid's name is Doug Mant. Doug and I lived together in the East Village and a third roommate lived on the couch, Dan Greger. Now, Doug Mant, Dan Greger have gone on to probably make billions of dollars in television and movies as professional screenwriters. At the time, there were stank Jews that were like <laughs> transferred from Brandeis. Stank Jews. And Skidmore. I never heard that. And we were living in the East <laughs> Village. That's your formal title. They got me, even though the rules didn't allow it, a job as a writer on their NYU sketch team called Hammercats. Oh, I love that. Now, a loophole. I was writing, a loophole, I was writing for a group that already contained two people who've made over a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Donald Glover, who was... Oh, wow. Yeah. The star of that sketch group with DC Pearson, who has gone on to be a famous author, Dominic Dierkes, uh -huh. who has gone on to make, let's say, $25 million worth of television. I don't know what his box <laughs> office is. He's a TV writer. He's. And these are not what they're making, but that's No, the no, gross. not their salaries. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying the yeah, gross yeah. of their of right. what they're known for. Right, right, right. So now you have six. Then you have Fran Gillespie, who goes on years later to become the head writer of SNL mm -hmm. uh, currently. I mean, and like... That was just that sketch group. Wow. wow. One group. Yeah. You know, and like, there's probably 30 of those groups mm -hmm. that where you could every go year. every person, right? Yeah. you know, is, has kind of gone on. And so I, you know, that's how I got Conan was at a time when there was nobody else. There was like, if you weren't funny, you were decimated and kicked out of the scene. <laughs> right. And so they started to cast younger and younger from people that they saw. And so when they needed like a bro or something or a bear, a guy in a bear costume or whatever, like right. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, I think Donald Glover did one of his first TV appearances was in a sketch on Conan. Oh, wow. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that time, those, the, the lack of other people around mm -hmm. besides the most hilarious. Talented people. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is so, um, I feel lucky that I like at that time went into that creepy, I guess Besser was living there and like signed up for that class, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> he was sleeping in the back. Uh, what, do you have early memories of like, because that must have been a little bit surreal for you to start doing sketches on late night. And you were like, I've been watching this with my dad. And now I'm here. You know, what was your thought going in? Was it like, oh, it's some people have said it's smaller than they thought it was going to be. Or... The studio. I spent a lot of time in that hallway, like sitting in these plastic chairs in that hallway right. waiting to find out <laughs> if it was going to go or not. Right. Yeah. Was like a lot of the time. <laughs> like a dentist's office. It, yeah. I'm curious, was it a weird... Some people get a little intimidated when you're performing and all of a sudden, you know, there's the, the television cameras with the red tally light on and were things like that an adjustment as opposed to just doing... No. Not at all. No, I was excited. Yeah. I, I, and, yeah. I, and again, like I had went gone to a high school that had like some editing booths and I had gone to the right. New York Film Academy and like mm -hmm. I was ready like for my shot. Right. Yeah. And it never really materialized into anything, you know, but I was like going to give 150% and like not get <laughs> right, right. scooted. And your like, beer costume. Yeah. And I never got to, luckily, I never got to do one of those things. Like I remember my, I don't think he'd be upset. I said my good friend, uh, Nick, Kroll early on in his career mm -hmm. got booked to do like a big 
bit with Conan. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was like on screen and he wasn't in a costume. He was like playing a guy. I, it was like, it could have been like guy in audience or something or like whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that he, sounds got accurate. To, he got to do it with so right. like, you know, Conan started talking to him, you know? Yeah. And like, I never had to do that. And I think that maybe I would have been. I'm uh, super, yeah, I could see myself at the time, like, throwing up in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> you'd tape something, and then you'd be waiting to find out if it was going to air or not. Like, what? Like, the one bit that I got cut from that did air was, um, there was a call for three young boys to come in and wear uh, American flag speedos. Uh huh. On a green that wasn't screen for the show. And, <laughs> no, no, this was just for Conan. He just wanted. Yeah. To, it was just like a favor. He still loves that video. And you got cut from the favor. <laughs> I don't remember what that exact bit was, but they called my my sketch group at the time, which was uh, me and Ben Schwartz and Gil Ozeri, both amazingly uh-huh. hilarious, hugely successful comedians now, <laughs> um, actors and writers, and um. So the three of us were like three young Jewish boys. So they like called us in. They put us in the Speedos and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, they only used Ben and Gil. Oh, and no. I believe Ben actually <laughs> got to be like hoisted and flown through like on a green screen in his Speedo, which was awesome. And I was it was so fun. But I spent the day in in that Speedo, in, speedo. Yeah. in a cropped T-shirt in the hallway waiting to see if it was going to be three boys or two boys. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I think the reason I got called back was like, I was like totally happy. I was, I left that day being like, I got paid my 450. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get the 12 because I didn't make it on, but like, gotta keep the speedo. (laughs) Yeah. I I like, I remember like getting, we all got undressed and went to do a show. Like it was like, it was rad. I remember being totally like, okay, Thank you. Like there was it feeling awesome about it. Right. I'll be back. Which is delusional. Yeah. Yeah. Which is delusional. No, no, but yeah, yeah. You probably are thinking, okay, this is the first step, and I'll be back. Yeah, it had that vibe, you know, and like, right, and right, right, right. It felt good. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though it was bad. well and i'm sure like you said i mean you're having a good attitude probably meant that they were like okay we have a good memory of this guy we'll call it it was like it was nice i mean i mean a lot of people got a good vibe like a lot of my friends would make it on like all the time right and at the time you would see a lot of like my favorite conan writers were performers Mm -hmm. and you know like i was a nerd about it so i knew like who was in what sketch and who wrote what sketch and everything and so then as you got you know, if you went to Ascat on a Sunday, you saw Stack and McCann and Glazer and, yeah. you know, and John yeah, Glazer, yeah. Miriam, you know, like those, Colin. you saw everybody do it, right? you know, and you're like, oh, that it just like, it's all just part of, yeah, you just do this until you do that. And then you do them both at the same time. You know, like it all just seemed like it made sense to me. Right. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned that you kind of pals with Brian Stack. Did you meet him? Did that all happen kind of organically on Sunday nights at ASCAT or? Yeah, uh-huh. totally. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wouldn't say pals. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> we're pals. Yes. The theater does have, because there's like a little bit of like when young people ascend, there's like a threat. Right. Especially mm, if there's right. like older people who haven't ascended. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a threat. And so sometimes on Sunday nights, it could feel 
there was a tension. Like competitive. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so one of my first times, like Stack was just so nice to me and like so in- interested in like what I was doing and uh-huh. asking me about stuff backstage or my career. And like I was n- doing Ask it, like filling in for someone. Like there was... You, you know what I mean? Like I was like 24. Right. There was no one. Right. Literally every, it was like a, everyone was out of town. It was like Stack and Miriam. Like, right. And he was just so nice to me and interested. And then we just kept up this like comedic report because I would see him every Sunday. And then when they moved to LA, we just kept in touch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're in that new environment like that, like you're talking about, Ugh, it could be a little, this kind of unspoken tension and stuff. You, you're just, it's like a moth to a light where if there's one friendly welcoming person there, you're just like, oh my, it's like mm-hmm. a lifesaver thrown your way and just like, oh my God, completely. I'm going to cling to this person being so generous and, yes. and nice to me. And I think he could probably tell that until I was scared. <laughs> until I was scared. Why is he in our home now? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he probably could tell. And like, I've been lucky to have some people some, I mean, obviously everyone in their careers, like I've had people be nice to me. I've had some people be right. not nice to me, but I've been right. very lucky that, that for the most part, people like that, that I admire have been very kind to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think that keeps you from being jaded about it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Also that, that must be reaffirming about your own talent and belonging there when people you admire positively respond to you that's yeah that's a nice sign right yeah it was yeah it was a good sign I mean, yeah. like, and there were definitely other people that night that were like oh what is this guy doing right but like brian doesn't <laughs> care about that right. especially on stage brian is very like you could say any he's welcoming to anything and that's the whole point right. of it yeah, in a way. he's generous he's yeah. unbelievable yeah and, th- and that's the other thing he's so talented oh. you know he can uh, be generous no problem because yeah he has no and he's not like gunning for anything and mm-hmm. so it makes exactly us, it makes doing yeah. a scene with him really great and and i yeah i think probably to this day his vibe is something that i try to to bring into any new scene i do uh oh. almost be outside yourself and look at the big picture and go this is just a little this isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things and just kind of have fun with it. I think you have to. Otherwise, you're... I mean, I don't know because I've never been to like the heights of of Grand. Like I've never like performed in front of a ton of people like that. But like I would assume that if... That the people that get really, really nervous and it affects their performance are the ones who can't have perspective in the moment. Right. This is everything. Everything's riding on this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. People don't book auditions when they're like that. People Mm -hmm. don't you know, do their best job interviews when they're like that. No, it just comes across. Speaking of auditions, um, I'm curious when you got cast on Happy Endings, which was like a huge sitcom role. Yeah. Was that based on auditions? Did you already know some people there? I was out in LA doing my sketch show for like, like literally like packing the UCB LA and like trying to like get people there to watch and stuff. And like, you know, the hustle the hustle and some casting director was there and called me in for community. And I went in for community and I read and met the Russos and they were like, we were not going to cast you in this show, but we, we have this other show in a couple months. Can you come back to LA and read? And I was like, yeah. And then I went home and I had just gotten married. So I was like, 
baby, we're moving to L.A. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the other show. I got a promise of another audition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a couple of months. You know how they say people move there on a dream? Well, this is the definition <laughs> of it. This is less than that. Some Hollywood guy named Joe Russo has promised me a first look. No, but I had like I had also just felt like, you know, it was it was enough for me at the time to yeah yeah you had that tingle the spidey sense was tingling again. yeah i'm yeah. ready yeah um and it worked out and then and then i went and, and i auditioned and again luckily for me like i'm not the best i'm not the best auditioner uh, if you can believe it <laughs> i'm an acquired taste <laughs> that's interesting because you seem so kind of chill that i would Cucumber think that would cool yeah yeah i am very calm in the auditions i am right. often wrong for it <laughs> <laughs> just gonna bring up the fact that uh jonathan groff was the showrunner on happy endings mm -hmm. it used to be the head writer on conan mm -hmm. had you was there any had you met him before or was that just a complete no i was, was a complete connection. random connection and um groff will tell you like i nerded out the a whole pilot i was just like wouldn't uh, leave Groff alone. I was uh, like, telling uh, everything uh, about Conan, like, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just like, wanted to know everything about the writer's room and wanted to know uh -huh. everything about those first couple of years and like was going over my favorite bits with him. And uh -huh. You should be hosting this podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, uh, Groff's a good guy to nerd out with because he's got an amazing memory. Because he's a nerd. He remembers everything. He's, he does. He's, he's one. Yeah. He was a five-time Jeopardy champ. He won five times? Yes. Yeah. Yes, five times in a row. I was campaigning for Groff when all that was going down for Conan to host Jeopardy. <laughs> um, <laughs> which would have been or the greatest. Andy. Huh. Andy, too. That's what Groff said. Andy would be great at it, too. Andy would be great. Yeah, anything more, like, slightly comedic. Right. So I was, like, nerding out with Groff, and, I was, and then when I got on a... Uh, happy when Happy Endings got on the air, mm -hmm. Ralph was like, "I bet I can get you like on." Oh, and he did. Oh, on the booked on the show, yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? He just uh... well, it was precarious when Happy Endings first like took off. There were six young leads who all like got publicists right away. Uh huh. And there was like this feeding frenzy of people being like. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I was, and I remember being like, I just want to do like the late night circuit. Like I got to do late night, mm -hmm. you know, huh. and I really want to do late like, night. I don't have to go to can, but I want to. Yeah. Do no, it's like, I don't need to do the London. I remember being like, I don't need to do like the London upfronts, which everyone is like, it's such a fun trip. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't need to do that. Right. And it just worked out that, that I got to do Conan. That was great. It was really good. Well, and yeah, you did a really smart thing when you started appearing as a guest, which is you kind of had a recurring bit where you'd dress up in costume. Yeah. Did you do that the first time you were on? I wore a tuxedo. Okay. I think. So you overdressed. And I overdressed. <laughs> right. And then the second time, I think I was a Buckingham Palace guard. Yes. Right, right. A beef eater. Yeah, yeah. a beef eater. And I, yeah. I didn't overdress, but I got it wrong right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a great then you were trying to top yourself and you it, yeah they got more and more insane jim carrey as the mask but also abraham lincoln <laughs> right because i forgot to cancel one or the other right. yeah right yeah that was a good one <laughs> and then fat man fat man the fat, fat man suit Batman. yeah mm -hmm. i've never seen 
a fat suit that was that fantastic. It was great. It was the Since, best. Fat suit. It was yeah. almost like a bean bag or something. Yeah, inside. it looked so like pliable. You wanted to grab it. Well, again, <laughs> you guys are the best. Like I had, I think I had already. Mike, you would know probably better than than me. But I feel like at the time I had already had a little bit of currency, right? And so people were like into the bit. So they, yeah, that time I remember they called me and were like, "What do you want to do? We can help." Ah. Uh, and so I, you know, you guys have the best great wardrobe people, yeah. Costume department in Hollywood. Yes. And so it was like when I got there, I was like, oh, this is perfect. It did feel <laughs> like I was having a heart attack. Like yeah. the weight of the suit was like so heavy and was like <gasps> when I sat down, it was resting on my chest so much. Oh wow. That I was like, oh my God, I can see how this is a hard existence. <laughs> it's actually giving me heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever like halfway through or during any of the costumes you wore halfway through an interview where you kind of like, um, why did I wear this? Did you ever have regrets about picking something out? <laughs> no, I once it was going, I mean, like, honestly, again, like Conan yeah. and Andy and I had known Andy, he would sometimes do Ask Hat and stuff. And then he, he came on mm -hmm. Happy Endings early on as a favor to Groff and really helped us out. Uh -huh. And so we became friends from that. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that at the very least, Andy wasn't going to let it go bad. Right. Right. You know, right, even right. if like Conan hated it and was like, <laughs> right. I, at least I knew Andy was going to keep me afloat. Right. There was a couple of times like the daredevil costume or, or I keep getting, around, yeah. uh, 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 it's not even daredevil. What is oh, this? snare devil. So, yeah, yeah. No, it was Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool. Uh, and then you took the mask off and you had the daredevil. Daredevil. <laughs> mask underneath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Again, like your your makeup department was so amazing yeah. that they had gotten the exact uh, like black contact lenses. Oh, oh, for the dead. Oh, cool. Wow. For the, and they put them in my eyes. Ooh. And like, I was like, I can't see anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Too realistic. I, like, I can't see anything. You got to get these out of my fucking eyes. You got to. It was like that Tim <laughs> Robinson sketch. It was like, there's too much shit on me. <laughs> 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 and like they had to come in and like pull them out and then and then right from there I went right on and it was like a little scramble but oh wow but no I mean like even that was like yeah that's part of it that's like fun mm -hmm. oh no Conan loved it you could tell he loved all of them because his favorite thing is having a funny guest he'd always say like oh having a funny guest who's actually thought about oh yeah their appearance yeah come with an idea it's just it's like a gift to him it's literally like walking in with a gift, like the next five minutes, you can relax. Kind of relax. <laughs> He's the only one of the only ones that lets you do that because of that. I think there's a certain right. security that he has in his own. I mean, Conan knows he's the funniest person on the planet. <laughs> he knows that inherently, and so Shh, no one, no one's told him. Yeah, I know no one's <laughs> told him, but he's decided, and so yeah. like <laughs> you know, like. He's so comfortable in that. Right. And knows right. that. Right. He's not worried about someone upstaging him. Ever. Yeah. No. Whereas I do think, I'm not going to like name names. Mm. I do think there's a certain element of like, don't, let's not do anything nuts here because this is our, we do this show like this and this is what we do here. And this is how we get our clips out the next day. Right. And this is like, mm -hmm. you know. And to me, that's fine. And, and and those shows are allowed to have their... Right. And Triscuits has already bought this segment. So we have... <laughs> yeah, to exactly. Totally. It's like... And the, that is you the way... You don't want to piss them off. Not Big Wheat. Yeah. You don't want to pick up. Big Wheat. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. So like Conan is always like, yeah, do it. 
because I like it. Right. You know, it's like amusing. Mm -hmm. And I always took, I talk about this a lot with Graf and I, I feel like I've talked about with Conan, but like, I take those talk show appearances like very seriously mm -hmm. and like workshop stuff on stage. And like, I think about that stuff and write it and rewrite it and go over it and think about how I'm going to play it for like weeks when I get a mm -hmm. talk show appearance, because mm -hmm. the people that I love, the careers that I look at, those talk show appearances are part of their, when you ask me like, what do you love about Will Ferrell? It's not just the movies. Like I love when he came on just as a leprechaun, like yeah. that bit. And you can find it right. online. Like, like that's, I love that. Yeah. And so I wanted to do that. And, and mm -hmm. some places will let you and some places won't. And Conan, it could only be good. Even if it's bad, it can only be good. Right, right, right. He also loves anarchy. Yeah. And I, I think you two together yeah. are perfect for that. Cause I think you also kind of love like thrive in chaos. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah, create a little discomfort before the things get really out of control. Yeah, I think it's why, like, when we spent time alone personally, we don't always, like, hit it off through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, and he would say the same thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I do think, like, we both... I think we are dangerous together, mm. in a way. It's like two negative batteries. Right. So you have to keep things tamped down. Yeah, which is the thing that I love about right. it. Because, like, we... There have been... Like, when Jeff Garland was there, uh -huh. it was really fun. Uh -huh. Because it was uh, one of the only times that I've been on Conan where I wasn't the idiot. <laughs> and it was... It was just great. Because it was like, you could see Conan... Once Jeff got involved in my bit and it was like Conan was really excited to not have to make me the idiot and then we could do it together. Right. And it became, I could feel the electricity go up again. This is going to, could get someone killed. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I see what you're saying where it's like, we could never date because we'd be too, yes. the chemistry would be too intense. Conan yeah. and I would not, we need a mediator. Yeah. You need someone to be like, no, no. It sounds dreamy. I'm glad to hear you, though. I like hearing that you prepare for those yeah. appearances because I think it demystifies a little bit of the, like, people think like, oh, people just show up and they're right. funny. But the reality is being good and funny on TV requires preparation and planning. It's not well, just... Yeah, I mean, a lot there's of work. like all yeah. that pre... The pre-interview is such a big deal. It's so hard. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really like, you guys do a great job at it, but it's really challenging to like you know, you never met the person you're about to talk to right. most of the time or you have. And, you know, it's like, and then you're, the things you're going to talk about are like basically cues. Yeah. So right. like that, that's what, when you see like celebrities backstage at a show and they're going over their note cards to go out on late night, you're like, what are they looking right. at? It's like, they're right. looking at the punchline to the joke that's going to be set up by the host that they've rehearsed. Yep. Right. And that's good and okay. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bomb <laughs> on late night. Right. I want it to be special. Right. Is this a Conan quote? I don't know. I feel like it's a Conan quote about when late night started to like shift into social media. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you just want good moments. You don't want like, you want to have a good moment that makes a successful segment. It's like right. a good moment. Mm -hmm. Something memorable. Something memorable because so much of it is like a step and repeat yeah. at times. Right. Yes. Just make sure that whatever bit you do, even now I try to do it. And some places will, some places won't. I try to be like, well, I want, it's like something memorable. Right. Yeah. So it rises above the fray a little bit. Right. Yeah. Because why, why, what else is there in life? Like, what are you, mm -hmm. can you just like get in a suit and walk on 
Right. <laughs> just great, look you hot did it. Like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, you did it. Like it's so easy for someone to make you look hot. Like yeah. we're all sitting here right now. We could all look hot walking <laughs> yes. out as a guest. We could, if we wanted to. There were a few yeah. things I could have done. <laughs> to spruce I mean, things up. But. Yeah, of course. But yes, you know what of I course. mean. If you've done all the prep and it, it goes really well, it all looks like there was no preparation at all. And it, you, right. it was all just ad-libbing, you know, which is... Which is the hope. Yes. And a lot of times in Conan and I's, it would get there because it was like... Right. It would just be like too hard not to comment on what was going yeah. right, on right, 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 right. <laughs> you know like when yeah, i yeah, start and really good improvisers that makes sense right. they're gonna yeah and also like you know when the like when the jim carrey one like those teeth were so big i couldn't breathe like what's, he, what's <laughs> yeah. he gonna do be like tell me about sonic the hedgehog like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's what amazed me with like are you distracted by the the weight or the the just the heft of these costumes? But I guess yeah. once you're out there, I mean, yeah, you are. But like, that's the fun of it. That's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For me, it came to a point where I could identify the skill set used to do a late night appearance as something that I had been trained to do right. my whole life. Right. Doing five minutes, owning five minutes uh-huh. with no material is something that like I've been perfecting. Like that's where I've got my thousand hours. That's the morning announcement. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's for right. my whole life. Like that's, I've literally yeah. been doing that. So I identified yeah. it very early as like something that felt like, Oh, I, I understand what this is. This is like when you go on a casting, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, or like when you're pitching, sometimes it even feels like pitching, you know, cause you're like mm-hmm. yeah. talking about a project. Like I got to identify that feeling. And so I wanted to, like not do anything like that with Conan because mm-hmm. it would be a waste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it would have been a waste. Like I would come off of a Conan show and be like, whoa, holy shit. You know, so excited. Yeah. And like the emails would start r- coming in on the East Coast. And then, you know, I'd start getting them. Right. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'd be like, yes. You know, like mission accomplished. For me, that that's everything. That's that's the whole point. Yeah. But also, I love the arc to all your guest appearances. Like, if you edited them together, <laughs> like, you start with the tuxedo, and then you just kept building from there. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's kind of a neat... It's heightening, yeah. You could almost cool, do a cool montage of them and just see how you kept topping yourself each time, which... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of... That's a huge challenge. Yeah, there was talk of one. I don't think we... Right. We never got to do it, but I had talked to uh, Damon Wayne's Jr. Mm-hmm. And what we were going to do was he was going to go out and do the whole interview with Conan uh-huh. as me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I would stay after and overdub it with my voice. Oh my God. And so there would be a moment where Conan would be like, Adam, is that you in there? Right. And I would be like, yeah, Conan, I really went for it. <laughs> <laughs> Your makeup team's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, I hope Conan comes back yeah. in some form so we get to see another. Oh, I. You have you to know, top yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I would be so lucky to be or invited. Or I just like, want you guys to start fucking off camera. Either yeah, way. That. Well, like, there would be times like Conan, I, I told this story once, but Conan, I had an office in Sherman Oaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Conan would come into the sushi place sometimes. And, and then sometimes he'd come mm-hmm. to the, the counter, which was across the street. Yeah. Uh huh. And on the day that Donald Trump was elected, yes, I was eating at the counter alone because it was uh-huh. horrific. Just three milkshakes. You know, it was like a yeah. horrific day. <laughs> right. And Conan walked in and sat next to me, 
And I was like, I know I have to do a bit, but I feel so like oh. decimated. Right. So <laughs> I turned to him and I said, hello. <laughs> and then I went back to eating as if I didn't know him. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, Adam, Adam, <laughs> like the whole restaurant. <laughs> We've met. <laughs> the whole restaurant turned around. It's me, Conan. <laughs> and like, then we sat and we, and like, that was the only bit we did. And we sat and like, we didn't talk the whole lunch. We just were like pretty silent. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and then we emailed that night after like the final call. And we, I, we were like, <laughs> I, and I think I wrote him like, we are now forever tied to each other. Yeah. And he wrote back, no, we're not. but honestly that's i feel like you're describing his interactions with his best friends where it's like that's it's all a bit it's just a bit it's a bit and then yeah that's it and then it's over (laughs) i operate that way so i yeah hmm, i look at that lunch as like one of the greatest days of my life even though it was the trump election but like i did a bit with conan that carried into email right you know, yeah. and like that's, <laughs> and you both committed the whole lunch. I love it's like we'll eat in stony silence. No one said anything yeah, to each other. We just sat there because I was like, and we just sat there. And he ate his like grilled chicken sandwich or whatever he made, <laughs> weird concoction that he put together yeah. at the counter, fake healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like I never saw someone take so long to fill out a burger custom burger menu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, dude. <laughs> uh, that was a bit too right well adam we thank you so much for coming on the show do we before we wrap up thank you is there any conan memory i mean you've you've already given us a lot but anything that you haven't mentioned a favorite conan memory could be on or off screen if we haven't already talked about it i'm trying to think of like my favorite like there's so many bits from when i was a, a kid like you know old-timey baseball or you know right mm-hmm that like really stand out for me as formative, Uh especially with like the idea of like talking head comedy. Right. I think the one where he was a Mountie, where he went to be a Mountie. Uh Uh-huh. Right. In Toronto by the Canadian border and was helping. That was 2004. 2004. So that bit may be my favorite Conan bit. Oh. I love him on the road with people. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't have to worry about what Channing Tatum's movie is about to get Conan being funny. I can like, (laughs) right, right, right. Yeah. I think that's my favorite Conan. Oh, that's, I don't have a memory of like what my favorite memory was. Cause I, I look at all of them as the same thing. Right. They're all, they're all the favorite. Uh Yeah. They're all, it's like, (laughs) you can't look at the last one without the first one. You know, it's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Great chatting with him. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Guess what? I I don't know. We've got a listener question. Uh, Right, right. That's what we do after the interview. You could have guessed that. Yes. Hey, uh, should I go ahead and read it? Please read it. Yes. (laughs) Jesse and Mike, I was wondering what the show's protocol was in response to an event in which the show wanted to make a statement about. Does Conan write the statements himself or does the writing team put together something for him? Did the writing team ever proactively create statements if a major event is imminent, whether world event or celebrity passings? Thank you for your time and all the memories you've shared. Tim S. Tim. Thanks, Tim. Tim wants to know if there if we pre-write obituaries right. for people. Tim hates comedy, but he loves <laughs> he loves he loves when we somber statements deal with uh, world tragedies or personal tragedies on the show. Well, it is an interesting question because that did 
come up a lot. Yes, it did. And it... It seemed like it started to happen a lot more. It did. And it kind of bummed everyone out because... Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a great question because, yeah, for years, I mean, Johnny, I don't think Johnny, I, who knows? I don't think late night shows normally had to comment on what was going on in the world. That was tragedies. Right. That was part of, I, as far as I know, I, like, I think it all changed with 9-11. It always goes back to 9-11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everyone... Ruined was, everything. Uh, and David Letterman was the first one to comment on it. And then everyone else commented. And then after that, there would be world events or tragedies where I think all the talk show hosts felt like it was just so serious that it seemed weird to just come to out. To go on and do sketch comedy. Yeah or, or, or an, yeah, or a monologue that just ignored it. And then right, and then talking about something serious and then going, okay, now, you know, here's the fart well, Meanwhile, machine. let's see what yeah. George W. Bush is up to today. Like that seemed like a weird left turn. So then it, like, yes, there were events where Conan would just come out and address what was going on that day and then say, okay, but, you know, we're doing a show and our guests are here. So, like, you know, we jettison the the pre- written prepared comedy and then do the interviews because it's just a more somber situation. But it was a little hard to know what would kind of meet that. Right. Criteria because it's, I mean, especially in well, the it's a US, slippery slope. there are a lot of gun violence tragedies that, exactly. here. And it started becoming like, a, oh, how many sadly people, you know, how many casualties? That was the other awful part where everyone gets numb and then you're just like, uh, it was only eight people, this, right. you know, and, but it's literally that crazy metric all of a sudden. It's all the time. It's just an indicator of, yeah, how numb everyone gets. But And to answer your question, I for these serious, where Conan was going to be talking about something, he would he would go off in the early afternoon and, and write something himself, usually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I sometimes just talk like we'd be in a group or there'd be a group of writers or whatever, and you just kind of talk out the event because it was try to process it. yes yeah conan always would just be like you know i'm gonna go off and i'm gonna chew this over and write something and yeah and then he'd send it to our script supervisor john cruteau and it would be on cue cards right before the show and that's when we'd all see it and go oh i mean it was usually he's a, a great writer turns out he is yeah yeah it turns out he's a great writer whether he's being you know obviously hilarious but when he when he has to be serious he could do that too. He's like a laser. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. So, you know, inevitably we'd be like, oh yeah, that's, you wrote something great. And I think those kind of speeches would resonate. I If they did resonate with people, which I think they did, it's because I think the key was, it was truly from Conan and from his heart. And he, yeah. And happening in the moment. And yeah. And, and just, it was his take yeah. and thoughts on, on the situation. So the other part of the question mm-hmm. was when there would be a celebrity death. Right. And this also would change the makeup of the show. If some, if a person who had been on the show or kind of important to the show died, then we would rush to put together a, a tribute montage. Right. And that, again, that didn't ha- happen until the last few years because... Prior to that, everyone was still alive. Yeah. Uh, but no, but you know what? Like he, because he's been interviewing and, and, and meeting people since 1993, 
uh, things are catching up where, you know, all these friends of the show are passing away. Got old. And it's, yeah. It's, it's a weird, that's a weird yeah. turn of events. Like when Norm Macdonald died, that was just... That was really sudden. Or, or someone like David Bowie, who had been on the show a few times. And mm -hmm. I think Conan felt like, was delighted having him as a guest because he was funny and personable. And, yeah. you know, you saw a different side of him. And probably a hero. and Yeah. yeah. Because he wrote a song named Heroes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If it, it was usually if it was somebody sort of who was a big comedy presence or right. was particularly important to the show or to Conan personally. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, Madeline Albright died and now we're going to have our Madeline Albright montage. She was never on the show. Yeah. In her memoir, it was one of her great regrets, I remember. <laughs> and she saved it for the last most potent chapter of my things I wish I could fix. <laughs> I could have been on Conan with John Goodman. And I said, no. <laughs> Well, I, I hope we answered that question. I think we did. I think we answered the question. Well, that, so that's our show for the week. Sorry to end on such a somber note. It was kind of a somber note. How do we... But we're always circling towards death anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's always the subtext of any podcast. <laughs> I mean, the true crime ones are so... Yeah, those are very on the nose. They're so blatant about it. But uh, we try to be a little more subtle. But of course, death is always lurking. Yes, that's why we all went into comedy in the first place. Exactly. And if you guys have questions about death or <laughs> about the Conan show, <laughs> you can submit them. You can call us. We have a voicemail line. Right. 323-209-5303. That's with a plus one area code. Can I do oh. Can I do the email address? Yeah, yeah. You can do the emails. You can write us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, good job. You did great. I'm obliged to say that if you like the show, you can support us by rating Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast on iTunes. Right. And leaving us a review. Uh, sure. Yeah. If that's how you want to spend your time, <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> knock yourself out. And hey, yeah. in the meantime, until we, until we talk to you again, yes. don't die. Right. Because you know what? <gasps> we love you. Oh. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs>